Boy, I love Jesus. I hope you love him too. I'm so glad that Jesus died on the cross for us and made our eternal life possible. And because of that, we can sing, Oh, how we love him, because he first loved us. So before I get into the message, I got a text message from uh, Keisha Samuel. She is our women's ministry leader, and she wanted to remind me to remind you that tomorrow morning, there is a very special call that is happening for our mothers. It's a Mother's Day call that will be happening on Zoom tomorrow at 11 a.m. And if you want to join that, you can, but you need to reach out to Keisha Samuel first. You can either call her, 516-776-2040, or you can email her at KeishaColeThirst at gmail.com. That's K-I-S-H-A-C-O-L-T-H-I-R-S-T at gmail.com, and then she'll give you the information so you can join in tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. Before we get into anything, I do want to make sure that I remind you that tomorrow is, in fact, Mother's Day. And what that means for you, if you are a husband or someone who has a mother that needs to have the day off, I need to remind you, please allow your mother or your wife to have a wonderful Mother's Day tomorrow. That means they get a day off from being a mother. I need you to recognize that there's only one position in the world that you get no day off from, and that is mother. Even in our society, our society allows fathers to be able to have some time off here and there. Uh, Fathers can sometimes choose to be dads or not so. Uh, Mothers don't get that same luxury. So tomorrow, one day out of the entire year, please dote on and spoil your mother or your wife, giving her the day off completely allowing her to be able to do her own thing. And I just poured into your marriage or into your life just now by helping you out with that little piece of information. Do that tomorrow, and I believe that God will bless you because you honored your mother or your wife, the mother of your children. Now, I want to make sure that we don't forget other mothers. There are mothers who are mothers by birth, but then there are other mothers who have never born any children, and yet they are still someone's mother. They have found a way to love and nurture someone's life. And that person in your life, you call mother or you think of as mother. This day is just as much for you as the other mothers who carried children in their wombs. Happy Mother's Day to you as well. We hope you enjoy it, and we hope that God is with you tomorrow to be able to have a wonderful day. So I want to see if we can do something this morning We are starting a new sermon series. This series is on, um, I want to call it COVID Reaction. That's the title of the series. And we're beginning it today, and it will go till next week. So it's just a two-part series for this Sabbath and next Sabbath. And I want to begin with something that uh, is happening to me, and it may be happening to you too. I have a favorite podcast that I like to listen to pretty regularly, and because uh, my podcast guys are now in quarantine, they have had to try to find a way to sort of change the show a little bit. Normally, they're out on location and doing different things, but now they're stuck in their attic in their basement, so they're trying to find ways to be creative and still put on a show during this weird time. So they had an idea. They said, let's open the phone lines and let's allow people from around the world to call in 
to just describe to us what things are like in their area of the world as they are dealing with this COVID-19 pandemic. And I was very interested in hearing what people had to say from their various places. And I wanted to share a few of those with you. Someone called in from Shanghai, China, and they talked about how things are there. It's very interesting. They said the Chinese government was able to build, you may have already heard this, a hospital in 10 days. And this hospital was specifically to deal with the COVID-19 crisis. Amazing. And yet, the people in China were still disgruntled by the way several other things were being handled. And when they tried to complain about it on the internet, their complaints would get flagged as sensitive and would be taken down. She also said it was very difficult in China for her to watch the rest of the world continue on as if nothing was going on as they were dealing with COVID-19 and it hadn't really spread yet. She said it was hard to watch because nobody really had a sense of how bad this thing actually was. It's like watching a car accident in slow motion. Very interesting. Another caller called in from Algeria. That's in northern Africa. And the people there, apparently, are voluntarily putting themselves under quarantine. And there is no government order. Well, there may be one now, but at the time of this call, there was no government order. They didn't have to stay home, and yet people were self-quarantining willingly because they have a problem in their area with their hospital system. Apparently, according to this person, she called in and said, The running joke is, you know how it took 10 days to build a hospital in China? She said, our joke is, it will take us 10 days to build more cemeteries. That's because their hospital system is already so understaffed, and there are so many issues there already. So people are self-quarantining to stay safe because they don't trust their healthcare system. Someone else called from Milan, Italy in their fifth week of quarantine. She said her favorite thing to do is to go on illegal walks in the evening. Apparently there in Milan, Italy, jogging is outlawed and members of the military are stationed outside to keep people inside. A high schooler called from a little town in Sweden reporting that his friends are throwing parties. And he said, I'm not going to any of these parties, thankfully, because apparently he lives in an apartment complex with a lot of elderly people. And as a high schooler, he still feels responsible for possibly bringing COVID-19 to his apartment, so he won't do it. One more. A man from Paris, France, called reporting that it was the first day of lockdown for them. He said that the police and the military were roaming the streets in search of people who were out with no good reason. He said, if you're in a group or out with no good reason or without a certificate saying that you're able to go to work or to a bakery or a pharmacy or you're trying to walk your dog, you could get an 80 to 130 euro fine. He said that lots of people are being turned back to their homes. And he said, you can walk dogs for short perimeter around your house, but that's pretty much it. So all the people that have dogs are happy because they can get outside the house to actually walk. He said their French reaction was amazing. When it was announced that the bars and the cafes would be shut down, everyone went out to the bars one last time to get drunk before what they called the end of the world. 
the virus spread even more when people did that. Once all that was closed, they moved to the next place where they could congregate, the open parks. And even the parks now started being a place for breeding COVID-19. Everywhere they went, no matter what, they always tried to find a way to still be communal. To the point now, he says, that people actually walk their dog to someone else's home where they're walking their dog so they can walk to someone else's home so they can congregate in groups even though they're not supposed to do that. Very interesting, the reaction that I was hearing around the world that people were having to this COVID-19 crisis. And as I listened, I was very interested to hear how each part of the world reacted to the pandemic. And what emerged was this reality that everyone seems to respond based on their worldview and their most important value. Because that's what we do, isn't it? When things happen around us, we interpret those things based on our worldview and we respond to them based on our value system. So here's my question. What about us? If we are citizens of God's kingdom, how should we respond and react to this pandemic? Which one of our values rises to the surface? What should our point of view be? Should it be like the citizens of the world? I'd like to examine that very question today in this message entitled, Our Lord's Patience. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for the word of God that has been preserved for our edification. And in this moment, we know with a certainty that the devil does not want this message to be heard especially not right now with all that's going on in our world. So, Father, I need to ask you right now not only to beat the devil back, but to open our hearts to you right now. Soften our hearts. Allow the word to be implanted there. And when this message is over, may we be changed in a way that is obvious so that Jesus Christ can come again soon. In his name we pray. Amen. Our Lord's patience. Second Peter chapter three. What book did I say? Hopefully you're listening at home. Second Peter, starting in verse one, reading to verse 18. Second Peter chapter three. I have my paper Bible with me today. I'm going old school. I did this because I thought it'd be nice to just feel the Bible in my hand. Um, you know, I miss being at church with people and now I want to go back to the things that I used to have when I was going to church all the time. And so I got my Bible out. Maybe you have yours out too. I'm starting in verse one. Here's what the Bible says. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our fathers died, uh, beginning, uh, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed 
and the earth was formed out of the water by water. By these waters also, also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and the earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. This passage is long, by the way, but that's okay. We need it for today. But do not forget this one thing, verse 8, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will appear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you be? That's the fundamental question. You ought to live a holy and godly life as you look forward to the day of God and speeding its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patient means salvation, just as our dear brother also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Wow, that was a mouthful. But I believe the word of God is in it today. Can you say amen today? As Peter writes his second letter to the church, the early church, he acknowledges that he's writing about things they already know. As reminders to stimulate them to wholesome thinking. Wholesome. Promoting health or well-being or state of mind. Peter desperately wants his readers to be whole, and he knows how easily we forget and revert and backslide, so he intends on stirring up their pure mind, as the King James puts it. And let me take a moment to affirm Peter's methodology here, because Peter seems to be a student of human nature. He knows that we need reminders in our lives, for without them, we are scarcely remembering anything positive that the Lord has done for us. And I'm speaking especially right now to those who live in this present age, for if we are honest with ourselves, we are prisoners of the moment. In the age of this free-flowing information, we can easily get caught up in the latest negative thing and forget all about the positive things that happened just moments before. 
So every so often, we need someone to remind us about the goodness of God so that we don't forget and abandon His truth altogether. Reminders are good, especially when we don't think that we need them. So Peter writes this second epistle, and he means to do three things. One, he wants to stimulate Christian growth, which he takes chapter one to do. Two, he wants to combat false teaching. He does that in chapter three, excuse me, chapter two. And then three, he wants to encourage watchfulness in view of the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's what he does in this third chapter. And as you can see, our main passage for today comes from chapter three. So you already know where this is going. So let me start by stating the obvious and by reminding you of what you already know. Here it is. Jesus is coming again and his coming is soon. If you believe that, say amen today. Jesus is coming soon. The signs are all around us and we know it with a surety. Peter wants to encourage watchfulness as it relates to our Lord's return to the earth. So before he gets into how we should respond, he begins by setting the stage for how others will react in the last days by saying this. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say... Where is this coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. 2 Peter 3, 3 and 4. To scoff. To speak derisively. To mock or jeer. An expression of mockery, derision, doubt, or derisive scorn. Put differently... These last day scoffers are doubters who put feelings, their feelings on display in a scornful and derisive way so as to mock and jeer the coming of the Lord. And they are this way because apparently they have been hearing that Jesus is coming for so long and he still hasn't come. So they conclude he never will come. They've been saying that since our ancestors died and he's still not here. Everything goes on as it has, they say. We've seen this all before. It happened in 1918 with the Spanish flu pandemic. We had the black plague and smallpox and cholera and Jesus still hasn't come. Peter warns the early Christians about the role of scoffers in the last days. And he says that they deliberately forget that the world was deluged and destroyed. Put differently, the flood was God's divine intervention and proof that he will not allow evil to exist forever and continue to destroy the people that he loves so much. Praise God for that. And Peter is saying that the scoffers do not merely overlook the flood by accident, but instead they willfully ignore it as evidence of God's intervening power in our circumstances. They don't want to face the fallacy of their argument. For if God indeed intervened in human history back then with the judgment of the world, he will do it again as he has promised. 
So the scoffers are there to sow seeds of doubt. And Peter warns us about them up front so that they will not have the upper hand in our lives. And then Peter says this wonderful thing. Do not forget this one thing, he says, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient. He is what, everybody? He's patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to what? Repentance. That's right. Notice the way that Peter characterizes God's experience with time. He says that for God, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. So that God does not view time as human beings view time. He stands above time, with the result that when time is seen in the light of eternity, an age appears no longer than a short day, and a day seems no shorter than a long age. Peter is trying to find words to describe something that he himself does not fully understand, that God is not governed by time like we are, so he's infinitely patient beyond our imagination. I need to illustrate it for you like this. It turns out that God, because he sits outside of time, is not governed by time. So that means that I can pray for something today that concerns something that happened yesterday. And God can hear it the day before that so that he can answer my prayer on time when I need it. Did you hear what I just said? It's a funny situation. It doesn't even make sense to you. It boggles your mind because of the way you and I relate to time. But God doesn't relate to time that way. Here's a better illustration. My father and mother got married in 1976, August of 76. But they prayed before they got married, and they wanted to be sure that they were doing the Lord's will. And there was one major issue that they had. Mom and dad didn't have any money. So they prayed that if God wanted them to get married, that he needed to provide them with some money so that they could have a wedding. That was their prayer. Well, the way that God chose to answer it was very interesting. And it illustrates this idea that God sits outside of time. Here's what happened. The same week that dad prayed that prayer, he was still in college. He and mom hadn't graduated from Oakwood yet. Dad was in Edwards Hall and the phone rang in the lobby. He said to himself, I don't want to answer that, because if I answer that phone, it could be somebody that's across campus. I have to go search them out. But something said to him on the inside, answer that phone. So Dad answered it. And lo and behold, the call was for him. The person on the line said, is this John Nixon? He said, yes. They said, well, we have some money for you. Two installments, in fact. One installment of $5,000 and a second installment of $4,100. And my dad said he almost dropped the phone right there. <laughs> Where in the world did this money come from? Guess what happened? When dad was 11 years old, this is about 10 years before. I think he's about 21 now when he's answering the phone. So 10 years earlier, at age 11, my father was hit by a car. He gets hit by a car and apparently... There was a court case 
that was related to this thing. And that court case was going to award him some money. But something happened when the case came on the docket. That judge, who was presiding over the case, died. So dad's case got sent all the way back to the beginning. And when it finally came on the schedule again, the judge in charge of that case retired. And that kept happening year after year. So that at just the right time, when dad would pray his prayer, asking God for money, God would answer it with the money just in time. Now, I don't think you understand this. Dad hadn't even prayed the prayer yet when he got hit by the car. But God knew he was going to pray that prayer. So he allowed this to happen so that that would happen so that when he would pray, everything would happen just as it was supposed to happen. How could that be possible? You know why? Because God sits outside of time. He doesn't experience it the way that we do. Past and present and future, they mean nothing to him. He sees it all at the same time. Now think about that for a second. If God's view of time is different from ours, how much more patient is he? Think about the things he's going through right now. Think about what he's dealing with. If God's view of time is different than ours, it means he's infinitely more patient than we even understand. All of this was Peter's setup for the part that we really came for today. Why did we come to church today? What were we trying to hear? Here it is right here. Peter shares it with us in this verse. This is verse 10 and 11a. It says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear and roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since... Everything will be destroyed. Here it is in this way. What kind of people ought you be? This is why we came to church today. Well, virtually. (laughs) That's the question we're asking too. Are we as Christians supposed to be some kind of way during this pandemic? Now that we see and we can tell that all of these things are happening around us, it makes it more clear that Jesus Christ is coming. Now that we know that, how are we supposed to be? Peter answers the question in three ways. I want to show you three things very quickly, starting in verses 11b and 12a. Here's the first thing that Peter says. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Here's our very first point. Our first response to this pandemic should be to reconsider the importance of character. We need to reconsider the importance of character. Repeat after me. Our actions can hasten the coming of Jesus. Say it again like you mean it. Our actions can hasten the coming of Jesus. If you believe that, say amen today. Now, I want to be sure that we don't get the wrong impression here because Peter did not mean to point us in a certain brand of sort of inwardly focused pursuit of sinless perfection in the last days. That's not what Peter's trying to do here. No, on the contrary, he meant the opposite, and I'm going to show you that in the next point. Point number two shows you Peter means the opposite. Instead, what Peter is actually doing here is to refocus our attention on what is actually important in the last days. Peter is saying, 
Don't focus on the events around you. Instead, focus on your character and your standing with God. Wow. See, the temptation is for us to look at all the things that are going wrong around us, to focus on the signs and the upheaval and the destruction. But don't you know that it's possible to get so fascinated with the signs about Christ that we forget about the Christ who's actually coming? You know that's possible? We can get so caught up in the conspiracy theories and all of the upheaval that's going on around us that we forget all about Jesus. And Peter says he doesn't want that to happen. These signs are not an end unto themselves. These are a means to an end. So Peter redirects our focus and says, Now that you know that all these things are coming and that we're at the end of time, what manner of person will you be? He's trying to shift our attention to what really matters in the end, our character. By the way, that's always been the thing that really mattered. Just to be clear, Peter is talking about what is inside your heart, not the puny behavior modifications that can be faked. No, he's referring to how you are and what you do when no one is looking. When the doors are closed and the lights are off and you're all alone, what quality of person are you then? That's what he's asking. So that holiness in the last days looks opposite to what we are seeing in the world right now. Holiness is standing up for the downtrodden and the overlooked. Godliness is speaking up for the oppressed and the mistreated. Holiness is being outraged over the senseless killing of Ahmad Arbery and not being silent about that. Godliness is fighting for truth in a culture of fake news and tribal wars. What kind of person are you, Peter says? In the last days, I don't want you to focus on events. I want you instead to focus on the kind of person you are. Character counts. And it turns out, that according to the text, when we focus on character, we actually help to hasten the second coming of Jesus Christ. Peter says, as we look forward to the day of the Lord and speed its coming, he says. The suggestion here is that we play a vital role in the soon that Jesus is actually coming. How soon that is? We're dependent, that depends on us. But I guess it would also suggest that we can effectively make Christ's coming delayed as well. If we're supposed to be God's people, and being people of high moral character is not important to us, then I would question whether or not we're actually God's people at all. Do we even care about his coming? When I'm looking for a pastor to join the Tacoma Park team. I've done that a couple of times since I've been here. There is one thing that outshines the rest. Uh, you can look for things like talent and how well a person preaches, things like, um, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, 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 charisma, how charismatic they are, uh, maybe a person's friendliness, whatever. All those things are good, but there's one thing that outshines those all. It, it, it outshines how many degrees a person has, how smart they seem, how well they talk. The one thing that's the most important thing is, are they a person 
of high character. Character wins out every time. You know why? Because you can teach a person a new skill. They can develop a new skill set, but it's hard to uh, impact and affect positively a person's character. Usually they say your character is pretty much developed, who you are, early on in life. So we look for people with high character. Because it's important, according to Peter, it's of the utmost importance in the last days. Because you can teach a certain skill, but it's hard to find a person with real character. Our first response to this pandemic is to reconsider character. Who says amen to that today? Here's our second one, 2 Peter 3, 14. The Bible says this, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Here's our second point. Our second response to this pandemic is to focus on Jesus. To focus on who? Jesus. That's right. Repeat after me. We are justified by faith. Say it again. We are justified by faith. You believe that? Say amen. To the untrained ear, it may sound again like Peter is encouraging us toward sinless perfection. One more time. And the temptation would be to lock ourselves in our prayer closets for the duration of this quarantine and try our best to deliver ourselves from sin. I must be spotless. I must be blameless. But I want to assure you, this is by no means Peter's message to us. The key is found in the two Greek words that he uses in verse 14 for spotless and blameless. It turns out those same two words were already used in 1 Peter 1.19 when talking about Jesus when it says this, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish, or defect. Those two words, blemish and defect, those are synonyms for the words we just read, spotless and blameless. The words in our passage. Now, if you couple that with the fact that Peter says we must be at peace with him, now you get a whole new picture. So think about it for a second. Peter is drawing your mind back to something he said already in chapter 1, verse 19 of 1 Peter, right? When he says spotless and blameless, but he uses the word blemish and no defect when talking about Jesus. And now he says spotless and blameless. And then he says, I want you to be at peace with him. What he's showing you right now is this new picture that my works do not make me spotless or blameless. But instead, it's the works of the spotless Lamb of God. Works that Jesus has already done. Perfect works. Works I could not do better than. If I'm at peace with Jesus, then he will give me credit for his spotless character so that I can stand in the end. Who says amen to the word of God today? Our focus should be on Jesus and not on ourselves. Ultimately, we are justified by our faith in Jesus. He's already done all the work. All we have to do is accept his righteousness by faith and it will be imparted to us so that we can be found spotless and blameless as we are at peace with him. Last one. 2 Peter 3, 15a. The Bible says this. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means 
salvation. Wow. (laughs) Here's the third point. Our third response to this pandemic is to have godly patience. Repeat after me. Our God has supernatural patience. Say it again like you mean it. Our God has supernatural patience. If you believe that, say amen today. So, remember back in verse 9? Back in verse 9, we said that God may seem like he's being slow, but according to Peter, we must consider how God relates to time. Well, it comes into play even more here as we consider the patience of God, because it turns out God's patience is multifaceted. Notice that in verse 9 it says, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. So, in a sense, when Jesus comes the second time and finally eradicates sin, it will happen very quickly from his perspective because a thousand years is like a day. But if the other part is true, then from another perspective, if one day is like a thousand years then it seems like it's actually infinitely longer for God what might feel long for us. You see what I'm saying? How much more excruciating is it for God if for him a day is like a thousand years, how much more excruciating is it for him to experience this upheaval and this sin that is bringing down our lives and killing his children that he loves so much? Now, consider the Lord's patience. He's patient with us, hoping that we will surrender our lives completely over to him. But in a sense, God is also being patient with sin. He wanted to eradicate sin the very first day that it reared its ugly head when Lucifer became jealous of Jesus. But God is allowing sin to run its course so that hopefully we will lose our patience with sin And will turn to him. But according to Peter, the patience of our Lord means salvation. Because he's not willing that any should perish, but that everyone will come to repentance. So as it turns out, points one and three are connected. Our focus on godly character in the last days helps us to usher in the second coming of Jesus. Why is that? Because God uses us to help convict others that they should repent and turn their lives to him so that he can grant them salvation like he did for us. And he desperately wants to do that for everyone. Whoever wants it. God doesn't discriminate because he's no respecter of persons. It's for everybody, whosoever will. The Lord's patience preserves an opportunity for salvation through repentance. God's delay is not about slowness at all. It's about his patience. And we need that same patience with people if we are ever to be instruments of his love in the earth. If we could just be more patient with the lost sons and daughters of Jesus, we could actually bring about the second coming of Jesus more quickly. Our third response to this pandemic should be to display godly patience. So that's it. How should the people of God respond in this pandemic? We should do exactly what Peter says we should do in the last days. Number one, 
reconsider the importance of character. Number two, focus on Jesus. And number three, demonstrate godly patience. I want the Lord's patience. What about you? Raise your hand if you do. (laughs) I know I can't get it on my own. Raise your other hand if you believe that. Now look up and say, I surrender. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So I want to close with a story about my mom since it is Mother's Day Sabbath. My mother was an immensely patient woman. And I say that not because she never lost her cool with us. She did. And I don't say that because my mother never got angry with us. She sometimes did that too. You can expect that when you have two kids back to back uh, within 17 months of each other. My brother and I are only 17 months apart. I was only nine months old when she got pregnant with Paul. And so that created a new reality, one where you had a two-for-one, and these two boys were rambunctious and destructive. I think I may have told you before that my aunts and uncles would hide their kids' best toys whenever Paul and I would come over to the house. That's the kind of kids that we were. (laughs) Full of energy, always going. And yet my mother never killed us. (laughs) Hallelujah, I'm here today because my mom was patient. (laughs) One saving grace was that five and a half years after I was born, our little sister Claire was born. Her name was Clarice, but uh, Claire was a very different child than the two of us. Very even keel, very calm, Um, just a different kind of energy. And I think that actually saved us. (laughs) So I thank the Lord that my mother and my father were patient But growing up as little ones, we spent way more time with my mom because my mom was a school teacher and we went to school where she taught. So we were always in the car with her, on the way to school in the morning, on the way home from school. And she was an elementary school teacher. So after dealing with little kids all day, she didn't get a break. She had to deal with little kids again on the way home. And we almost never were silent in the car. We didn't have video games or iPads or anything like that. We were constantly laughing or joking or fighting or something like that. Mom just needed some peace and quiet. Oh, how she would have loved a quarantine back then. (laughs) One for herself, without us, obviously. Infinite levels of patience. And because of that patience and because of that love, I'm still here today. Alive and well, when I know for a fact there are times when my mom would have loved to say, why did I have these kids in the first place? (laughs) You know, I think about God, and I think about the level of patience that he has. I think about the fact that it never crosses his mind to ever kick us out of his family, even though we are often sinning against him. Sometimes we choose to do it deliberately. And yet, he still never, ever turns us away. Our God is loving. Our God is patient. He's not only patient with us, but he's been patient with sin. He could have eradicated it a long time ago, but if he had done it in a particular way, it may have looked like he was cruel, or maybe uh, he wasn't an all-loving God. 
So he's taking this time to show his love to us so that in the end, when he finally does destroy sin forever, we will all know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was actually just. He's patient. We need his patience. God says, I need you to help me to usher in my second coming. And I need you to have the same attitude about people that I have. That's what God says to us. We need his patience with people in these last days. So, here's my appeal to you. If you are online, you can find one of our appeal cards. If you just click, I believe it is the tpchurch.org slash appeal. And you can respond in any way that you want. Maybe you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time. Maybe you want to come back to Jesus. Maybe you just want to get serious about finding a way to actually usher in the second coming of Jesus. That means I want to get busy about the work of the gospel. I don't know who you are, but you are here and you can respond right now. You can respond in the chat section too if you're on there. Just respond now. One of us will see it. Our pastors are on those chats right now. We'll see it. We'll pray a special prayer for you today. I believe that God will do it. Now today, we talked about the second coming of Jesus, and we talked about what our attitude should be as Christians in these last days. Which one of our values should bubble to the top? That's what we talked about today. Next week, we're going to talk about how we can actually still be effective in these last days, even though we're not physically coming to church anymore. The reality has changed, but I believe that God wants us to still be a light and so next week, we're going to talk about this idea that we shine. How can we shine in these last days in an empty church? Got to relook at what church really means and know what God wants us to do. So I invite you to come back next week and join us for that. Until then, I want to pray a special prayer for you today. Would you join me in prayer? Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for the patience of our Lord. Thank you, Father. For the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that makes that patience possible in the first place. Doesn't matter how long you wait, if all the wages of sin is death, that's all we're going to get in the end is death anyway. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because of what Jesus Christ has done, we can receive eternal life. And so it makes your patience worth something. So, Father, right now, in the midst of this situation, I pray a special prayer over that person who made a decision for you today. Someone joined your family for the first time. Please bless them. Give them what they need to always follow you from this day forward. Someone came back to you today, a person who had turned their back on you before, and now they want to come back to Jesus. There's somebody else who's already in your family but wants to take this gospel message to another level. They want to be a carrier of the gospel like you ask. Father, I'm asking that you would bless all three of those people today. Give them exactly what they need. Give them victory over sin. Give them victory over their habits. Allow them to walk after you from this day forward until Jesus comes. And then when Jesus does come, help us all to be able to look up and say, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. Bring that day soon. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let everyone who loves God say together, Amen.
and amen. God bless you. We will see you next week at 1130 right here. In the meantime, if you would like to give, you can still use our online way of giving. That is the tpchurch.org slash give. And you can do that at any time. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. We invite you to come back. And when you come back next week, make sure that you bring a friend or a family member with you to watch the service together. And then today at 3 o'clock, we have our COVID uh, conversation that's going to be happening uh, between couples, how to cope with COVID-19, 3 o'clock today. And you can still register if you email Sandra Marley. May God bless you. We will see you next week. Thank you.